This podcast was originally the audio for a work of the same name for the Nearly On Red YouTube channel, found at youtube.com slash c slash nearly on red. Though not intended to be a standalone podcast, viewers frequently consume my videos for their audio content only, so I have duplicated my work in this format to hopefully save people a step. A full list of content and platforms can be found at nearlyonred.com or the short link nearly.red, N-E-A-R-L-Y dot R-E-D. Enjoy! Welcome to the Not Quite Daily Show, Summer 2018, Episode 14. Today discussing the characters of Hanebado, especially in light of the events in Episodes 9 and 10. So I have put off discussing Uchika in the past because I knew there would come a point when she returned to prominence in the story. Although she returns in episode 9 and is actually physically present in Ayano's home, she still exists as more of a shadow that looms over her than an active participant in her life. I actually rather like that they hardly say two words to one another as it emphasizes the distance between them. So before we get further into the story and the showdowns it is building toward, I want to discuss a few things that might help us understand our characters as they are right now. The first is how point of view is influencing both the audience and the characters, and how this especially reflects in the different situations facing Connie and Ayano right now. The second, and somewhat related, is how Uchika appears to have caused abandonment issues in her two daughters, and how some of their behavior appears to stem from this. Lastly, we'll look at what the greater thematic pattern concerning abandonment may suggest about our story's direction. So a limited and curated point of view is one of storytelling's most ancient tools restricting what we know about narrative and characters to tell a particular type of tale. However, it also affects matters between characters, changing how they interact compared to if they had perfect information, or even just as much information as the audience has. All of us, audience and characters alike, must necessarily prioritize and be influenced by our own perspective. And what we have the time, energy, or awareness to focus on outside of ourselves will vary based on our own current circumstance. I write and talk and edit about anime right now, which incidentally means I have basically no time to actually watch it. My personal time constraints and shifted priority reduce my awareness of something I used to pay a lot of attention to. Characters are no different. Personal crises or pressing matters obscure their field of view. This is easy to see in the differing team reactions to Connie and Ayano. Kitako Machi High School's team is full of small crises. The boys and Riko are trying to make peace with their school time coming to an end. Nagisa is focused on her knee and her match with Ayano as conflicting forces. Yu is sorting out her confusing feelings towards Hayama. Most of them are struggling with the feeling that they fell short in the preliminaries. There's the lingering effects of Nagisa's aggression on the club's membership. There's a new coach, a new manager, and so on. While I'm not giving them a pass on how they've dealt with Ayano, we can see how divided their attentions are, and how many of them have their own crap to worry about. The Frey Girls squad, on the other hand, knows just the kind of personal crisis Connie is dealing with. Despite her treatment of her squadmates at times, 
they have rallied around her and refused to be pushed away. Maybe their lives are simply less contentious at the moment than the team over at Kitakomache, but paying attention to Connie's non-badminton issues and showing up to support her stands in pretty stark contrast to Ayano, who only has Elena realize that she needs to keep an eye on her and be there if necessary. The team realizes Ayano is acting weird, but their own problems and the hostile environment that has opened up between her and Nagisa keeps them from being the same effective support that the Frey girls are being for Connie. Shiwahima as captain is looking out for her team, and though Nagisa does the same at times, she is not the person who can be this for Ayano, at least right now. Mostly though, they simply don't realize the extent of the issue. We in the audience had the benefit of seeing Ayano as a child and at home, of knowing the contrast between how she acts when she isn't thinking about badminton or her mother. What neither of us knows, though, is Uchika's story and perspective. While Connie's backstory fills in some of it by proxy, all our inferences about why she acts as she has are based on mere scraps of information. Even the timeline is somewhat confusing, as we have no idea how often or long she is usually out of the country, how young Connie was when Uchika took her in, exactly how long since Uchika left the last time, why she is so frequently in Denmark in the first place, and so on. There's obviously no way that Uchika left Ayano's sickbed and went and adopted Connie afterwards. Uchika left Ayano in middle school, and she is now in high school. So even if it had happened the moment she entered middle school, the maximum amount of time elapsed is three years. There's no way this Connie and this Connie are just three years apart. Heck, it would take at least three years for her hair to grow out this much. We even see Connie look at different pictures of Ayano on Uchika's phone as she herself ages. This suggests that Uchika adopted her sometime in childhood, and she was playing mother to both of them simultaneously, somehow. And she kept this from Ayano, but didn't keep it from Connie. Connie must have lived on her own a lot of the time, which would certainly explain why she goes to Japan, why she left a note about traveling to the far side of the world, and why she wants for Ayano to be family with her. It's a naive dream, but it's understandable in her circumstance. It seems like a very distant dream based on Ayano's reaction, but that reaction is also understandable given the circumstance. Now, it is an inaccurate generalization to reduce our complex characters down to a single descriptor, so I don't want to give the impression that this is what I'm doing, but I think a lot of how Connie and Ayano act might be the result of abandonment issues, and so I want to focus on this angle to help us understand their characters a little better. Our point of view is still limited, so I can't say for certain, but these two strike me as being victims of the same person, and even if their behavior is presenting differently, it might stem from the same root cause. Now, a variety of things can cause abandonment issues. Some are intuitive, such as having a parent die or leave, of being abandoned. Children need a certain amount of emotional and physical care, and the absence of that can create a fear of abandonment. A parent or both parents being MIA certainly creates this shortage. But other traumas in childhood can result in the same dearth of care, such as being the victim of physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, or even the psychological stress of living in poverty. There are also other, and perhaps less obvious, scenarios that can cause this fear to take root. Holding children to standards which are too high, treating a child as a peer instead of a child, not adequately treating a child as a separate being, or acting as though they are an extension of their parent, 
a parent deriving too much of their sense of worth from their children, or suppressing a child's normal emotional expression. We don't have enough information to say which of these do not apply to the situation with Uchika, but there are some details we do know that seem consistent. Her leaving Ayano for an extended period is the obvious one, but as I discussed before, it seems like Connie probably spent a lot of time alone herself. We've no idea how much isolation she endured before coming to Uchika's attention, but even post-adoption, she spends time alone and uncared for, as this flashback is definitely taking place in the room that she shared with Uchika. Considering that scene plays over her thoughts of not needing a team and winning all by herself, it appears she thinks of being alone as her normal state. There is also that bit about holding children to too high of standards. Connie believes that their skill at badminton is related to whether or not Uchika will acknowledge them. She even tells Ayano that she is going to beat her to prove her worth to Mama. Ayano herself thought her mother left because she lost to Karuko, and then believed she could earn her mother back if she just got good enough. They didn't get this impression from nowhere, and especially since they both reached this conclusion independently, we can guess pretty confidently that it comes from their mother. In fact, when Uchika shows back up in Ayano's home, the first subject she brings up with her is that she made the enter high, and she wants to know if Ayano has gotten good while she was gone, and she wants to talk about she and Connie playing with each other, and so on. There's no interest in Ayano's well-being, or how high school is going, or any apologies or explanations for her absence, or even attempting to do something together to reconnect. This actually has some overlap with that idea of treating children as an extension of oneself, or of deriving some sense of worth from the child's accomplishments. Uchika is basically a badminton fanatic, who just happened to become a mother. But it seems like she is less of a parent and more of a coach, and may think of Ayano and Connie more as players than daughters. She recognizes what they need to develop as badminton players, but not as healthy human beings. Even the circumstances of adopting Connie seem suspiciously mercenary. Danish people are some of the tallest in the world, a stark contrast to Japanese, and she also first speaks to Connie after finding out that she is supposed to be the best one there. Was she raising both daughters and waiting to see which one showed the most promise as a player, with the intent to be their coach when the time came while dropping the other? Even though Connie spent a lot of time alone, it seems she and Uchika keep up with phone calls, something Uchika did not do for Ayano. There is even a little bit of treating a child as a peer, such as in Ayano's flashback when her mother tells her if she gets good enough, she'll play her any time. That is not the perspective of a normal parent-child relationship. Anyway, Uchika as a source for abandonment issues seems pretty consistent and comes from multiple directions. What we should look at next is how such issues may be manifesting in the two girls. Abandonment issues can lead to a lot of other mental health problems as well, but tend to have a pattern of things that they cause directly. There's a good chance of poor self-esteem or toxic shame, as the message implied in being abandoned is that you have no value. People with abandonment issues also tend to have trust issues and tend to downplay the importance of the people in their lives. They hide part of themselves from others or hide how they really feel. They sometimes have a fear of simply making plans as they are hypervigilant about anything that could lead to another feeling of abandonment and the pain that accompanies it. Despite the feelings of isolation that all these other aspects can create, it's also not uncommon for people with abandonment issues to sabotage their relationships. Seems counterproductive, I realize, 
but by driving another person away on purpose, the ensuing separation will be a result of what they did, not of who they are. It removes the fear of being judged and discarded. It ends on their terms and from their actions, giving them a sense of control. People can't leave them if they're already alone, so they push others away. Looking at Connie and Ayano, I think we can see some of these patterns emerge. Ayano is actively sabotaging any potential friendship with Nagisa and marginalizing herself from the rest of the team in the process. She tells Connie directly that she is going to be the one to abandon Uchika this time, and she completely shuts off when Connie even proposes her wish of them being family. Connie originally behaved this way toward her own teammates, even in the context of badminton itself. She downplayed the importance of having a team at all. Ayano believed the same thing at the series beginning, not seeing the point of being in a badminton club. There is also that notion of toxic shame, which is a sort of global and persistent feeling of inadequacy and shamefulness. This often manifests as feeling particularly acute shame when something embarrassing does happen. And I think we see this happen in Ayano at least twice. Once is in the matter of her lost match with Karuko in her youth. Owing to her perception of judgment by her mother over this loss, the sting of losing that time is haunting and chronic. Just flashing back to it is enough to shut her down. Losing became something incredibly shameful for her, and she demonstrates this again when losing to Connie that first time. She first tries a litany of excuses, and then runs away from everyone when her rationalizing doesn't keep the shame at bay. Connie starts to retract in a similar manner after Ayano rejects her, though her teammate's stubbornness seems to win the day. We also mention sufferers hiding how they feel, or hiding part of themselves from others. Elena is Ayano's best friend, but Ayano had hidden all the trauma and circumstance of her mother leaving. Elena had no idea why Ayano was avoiding badminton, or what she was even asking of her by trying to get her to join the club. While I mentioned how the divided attention of her teammates results in them missing what all is going on with Ayano, she is also actively hiding this, and hiding her internal strife as much as she can. Connie tries the same thing after both encounters with Ayano, though Shiwahima chases after her to close the gap each time. Despite these two friends' efforts, this is probably going to be a consistent pattern for each of these girls for some time. So is there any hope for Ayano and Connie? Truthfully, the solution is therapy and long-term mental care and mindfulness, but I don't think that is what our series will actually consist of. However, I want to call attention to a bit of a thematic pattern among the other characters that may suggest an optimistic outlook for Uchika's marginalized daughters. I mentioned before all the various points of view and personal crises that have divided the attention of the squad. For a while, there was a general sense of impending loss, especially visible in the episode where Rico plays Nozomi. Both she and the boys seem to suffer a type of melancholy over it being the final summer, and there is a lot of trepidation over the life they know they must soon abandon. Both boys seem indifferent about whether they continue with badminton. Nagisa, of course, has a fear of having her revenge slip away, weighed against the knowledge that she could injure herself. Yu's confusing feelings are also at risk of going unresolved, since Hayama will soon play his last preliminary and graduate in the spring. Between them all, then, is a sense of loss, of things ending, regret, and the fear of regret. Even besides the deeper issues afflicting Ayano and Connie, there is an overarching unease among the team about the things that are slipping away from them. But as we've gone along, a lot of these tensions have been resolved. 
The boys fall short and never honestly had much faith in doing otherwise, yet the experience changes their perspective. While before they had assumed they would abandon badminton upon leaving high school, each independently comes to the decision to continue. Nagisa is given very good reasons to abandon the match with Ayano. High risk, little reward, meaningless in the scope of her badminton career. She nevertheless decides not to give it up. Yu had been struggling with why she wasn't abandoning badminton herself, and confused about why Hayama was catching her attention. Realizing she can get something out of it besides victory is enough for her to keep going, and to resolve herself to speak her mind. Connie also doesn't give up on her relationship with Ayano, after Shiwahima encourages her to keep the keychain so that she can have another chance to gift it. As she later thinks about being able to introduce Ayano to her Frey Girl friends, we know she is still pursuing that goal. Considering how they were able to get along when looking for the convenience store, or during the first part of the Weiwei excursion, a relationship doesn't seem like an impossible target to shoot for. Were it not for the circumstance between them, they could likely get along. Now, taking all of this as a whole, this means our characters are slowly coming out of all their distractions, and so may come to a place where they can offer some support to the other girls in their crises. But perhaps more important is the overall pattern of them facing the idea of abandonment, of the sport, of the match, of their time together, and choosing to defy it. Sometimes they choose not to abandon the thing in question, sometimes they simply make peace with the impending change or separation. Regardless, some effort is made to resolve the tension, either by change in action or change in perspective. Looking at this whole trend of the teammates together, and we might consider our series to have a thematic pattern of overcoming abandonment, of successfully fighting against it. We should have no illusions about completely reversing their psychological struggle through the power of friendship or anything like that, but small steps forward are nevertheless steps forward. All progress is progress. Ayano and Connie have a lot of confusing circumstances and the accompanying inner turmoil. I've been very impressed at how the series has made an effort to demonstrate the frustrations that arise from mental health issues. I therefore don't think we will end up with such problems wrapped up in a neat bow at the end. However, I fully expect this pattern of facing and trying to address abandonment will bear some fruit as the girls attempt to separate the positives of badminton and teammates from their childhood with Uchika. Being included and chosen by those around them does not erase the pain from feeling discarded, but it's a start. Title music by Russell J. Crowe, other music licensed from the artists at Audio Jungle. Script, performance, and editing by Theta. Theta is played by Redacted. Original video can be found at youtube.com slash C slash Nearly on Red. And a full list of credits is available at nearlyonred.com. Until next time, thanks for everything.